listen, the, the biggest thing is when, when you're working with family businesses or you're working with another family member is one, you need to share information as much as possible. And then... Welcome to the latest episode of Commerce and Chill. I'm Jessica Johnson Cope. Waleed. What's good, Waleed? Life's good. It's Friday. We're shooting a couple days later than normal. It's a holiday weekend coming up. Actually, oh shit. It's a double holiday weekend. Was it Father's Day this weekend and uh, Juneteenth? Juneteenth. Let's celebrate the fact that we all have access to great information. If you didn't go watch the previous episode, um, and just get your mind right, because for Juneteenth, we should be supporting one another. We should be supporting black businesses and not just eating red watermelon and drinking red pop and fried chicken. But that's somehow some people celebrate. I'm not knocking oh, celebration. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah, I celebrate Juneteenth by uh, making uh, jobs, there creating jobs, uh, closing go. deals. <laughs> but uh, you mentioned that it's Juneteenth weekend, but it's also Father's Day weekend. So in honor of the fathers out there. Won't want, be fathers. It'll be after Father's Day by the time this airs. But yeah, we're filming it before Father's Day. We still want to celebrate the fathers, especially fathers who leave a legacy, create a legacy for their children in the business and economic space. So to t the title of today's episode is Rich Dad, Your Dad, Lessons We Learned from Our Fathers About Business. So often it seems like for Mother's Day, you you know, you pack out the restaurants, you buy all the flowers, spend lots of money on gifts. When it comes to Father's Day, it's just yeah, like dads get poo pooed on. Yeah. It's it's all, Mother's Day is way more going on than Father's it's Day. It's like, Dad, can you warm up the grill and, and barbecue? Go, yeah, go cook. Go do some work <laughs> for your day. <laughs> but what we what we found you don't know, my dad is no longer living, so I don't get the chance to celebrate. Um, with him, but your dad is still alive. And yeah, <laughs> but I don't get the chance to celebrate because he doesn't either. celebrate these holidays. <laughs> but it, it really just got us to thinking about different, amongst other things, <laughs> lessons that we learned watching our fathers in their respective businesses and um, what it meant for us as business leaders, as well as what it meant for us in terms of um, growing our family and as well as our family business. So where would you like to start, Chief? Shit. What, what, um, <laughs> when you were growing up with DC, well, I think what, what were some of the lessons that you learned from watching him work in the business? We, we would be here for more than 29. We would be here more than 29 minutes if I went on that um, long road of lessons. So you tell me where you want to start then. No, I know we can start there. But I think one thing is, um, which is a coincidence, which didn't, you know, dawn on me until not too long ago when we we're talking about this topic is that we both took over businesses from our dads. So it wasn't like, oh, it was other people in the family involved, et cetera, et cetera. We both took over businesses um, directly from our dads who were the sole ones running the business at that time. So I thought that was, um, it's very interesting. It's like we run in a, a marathon, not a marathon, you're running a, a relay yeah. and they actually handed the baton off to us. Or yeah, dropped it or we just took it, uh, you know, whatever. 
It's all, it's it's all a different scenario. It's a visual if you imagine our <laughs> Listen, dads I'm keeping it real for, I'm keeping it real for everyone in commerce and, on the Commerce and Chill family. Like, I'm not going to pull any wool over it. Because being in business with family, it's great. And other times it's not. So, like, I'm going to tell it how it is and not try and... Uh, so tell the people something actionable because, you know, sometimes one of the things I hear from people in business, more in particular, mature people in businesses. Oh, wow. That's great. I tried to get my kids interested in my business and they didn't want to do it. So, so I think, I'm just going to have to sell. Well, that's one thing you should, we should start talking about is and that's a great point. Were you interested in taking the business over mm-hmm. or did or did you take it over for other reasons? So that and that goes right to the question you said. People, there are there are people, parents or whoever grandparents. There are elders, we'll say, who are running businesses, and I've heard them say, like, my kids, you know, they're not interested. And I'm like, all right, sell it to me. <laughs> like, I, I want to do more business. I want to have I want to have a, a, a umbrella corporation with a bunch of businesses underneath it, and build out a great team, and then people can get pieces of that business and have equity and run it. I don't need to own it and run the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I'd rather acquire a bunch and then split it up with a bunch of people running well. And then we have this huge economic engine out of these businesses generating revenue for the team members who are on the team, as well as that have shares who have um, equity. But yeah. So anyway, the question is, you said, are you interested? Or- so you know, what led you me? Right, because I you, thought you were gonna start with no, no, no. You start the question. You said you heard from people who say they have businesses and their children are interested in taking it over. So the question I put out there is, you know, what led you to do it? Was it you wanted to take over the family business, or was it other reasons that you had to do it? So just or chose to do it. The the abbreviated version of my story: I wasn't living here in New York um, for several years, and when my dad became first became ill, I left my house, my job, and moved back to New York um, so that I could be close to him to see, you know, put eyes on him and see what was going. And in the course of that, my mother said, I couldn't come back without a job. I was working for somebody else and was on track to get promoted into management. And my manager at the time said, well, why should I make you a manager? Like, what would you do? And in that conversation, it is like an epiphany. I had an epiphany and I was like, I'm here building somebody else's brand when there's a there's a place with my name on it that I could be building. And so um, to have something with my name on it and know that I could make a difference, that was very inviting to me. Um, At the same time, knowing the work that my dad and my grandparents before him had poured into Johnson Security, I could not see the business dying because I was not willing to at least try. Mm -hmm. And so that's what interested me. It was like a challenge, but at the same time, knowing that um, I had a great opportunity before me to continue a legacy and put my own, you know, my own stamp on it. Um, And then it was like, what did I have to lose? If it didn't work out, I could always go back and get, go back to the other job where I was (laughs) interviewing. So that's what interested me. And I think that maybe so it interests you, but you kind of had to do it at the I same time. I didn't have to do it. I mean, I could have. I well, I mean, your interest got, let's say, accelerated because you said dad was sick and you came back to New York. So that accelerated your interest versus like he'd have been like, oh, you know, I'm good for another like 30 years. I'm not retiring anytime right. soon. And right. then you'd be like, come on, like hand it over to me, like et cetera, et cetera. Right. Like, it was something about it. the doctor saying you may have two years left, sir. 
that they gave us a sense of a urgency whole new perspective on things about right. um, coming up with a plan, executing and taking some kind of action, making stuff happen as opposed to, okay, let's just wait and see. Right. And then luckily, because we started having conversations shortly after my dad was diagnosed um, with cancer, we were able to start a very weak transition plan um, because what we thought was going to be two, two years ended up being four months. Um, so, so accelerated. Yes. Um, transition plan. Yes. What about you? Yeah, ooh, um, you can't ask a challenging question and not give a challenging answer. Yeah, mine is very. Um, Convoluted? Complicated. Complicated. We'll tell the people something. So like the short version. So in Jessica's, in, in your case, it was you took over due to these extenuating circumstances. So in my case, it was kind of. Mm, how do I put this? I don't know. It, I think it was it was extenuating circumstances because um, for those of you in Commerce and Chillland who don't know DC, which is what we call my dad, um, he goes by his um, his initials, his secret undercover um, business secret local neighborhood name. Um, he he wants to ride the horse until the end, no matter what. Like the horse could be going in the wrong direction. The horse needs food. It needs water. He's like, nah, I'm going to keep going. So in, 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 in this case, when it came to um, the laundry, we, we pretty much had to go in and be like, you know, it's time. Like you need to, you need to, you need to take a step back because the, the bit you're not running the business. The business is running you. That's the best way to put it. So, um, you know, we, we went and had a discussion and made him an offer. He couldn't refuse. Um, had some talks and some negotiations and he decided to say it's time to retire. And then uh, we stepped in, but that was uh, probably a multi decade process because I had worked in and out the business numerous times. Yeah. yeah. So, so one of the things we, we had in the notes was just work ethic. What are some of the things you learned about business and about life from watching your father's work ethic? Yeah. My, my dad has a ridiculous work ethic. But it's almost negative. It's it's so ridiculous. It's negative. Now that I'm older and look back at it, and he, if when you look at Instagram culture where they're like hashtag no sleep, hashtag hustle, and all that, like that would he fits that. But when you when you when you when that's all you're exposed to or what you know, you look at it a certain way. But over time, I was like, okay, I'll take this piece. I'll take this piece from it. That is good. That I think is good. Then there's other pieces I'm like, nah, you can't do that. I can't do that. Anybody else can do it or he can do it. It's good for them, but it's not good for me. Um, but he has a ridiculous work ethic. Like he will continue to do it and do it. But it's so ridiculous, I, it becomes a detriment. And we talked about this in other episodes where business owners get into that mindset of if things don't get done right, um, they get to this point where they're like, you know what? I'll just do it myself. And then that becomes like... It, it just consumes them. So no matter what keeps going wrong or somebody else does wrong, they're like, oh, I don't need them. I'll do it myself. And you must realize that you cannot do everything yourself. Okay. So that, that type of work ethic, that mentality, that mindset we talked about ends up be consuming you and it, be, it ends up becoming a negative. You think it's a positive because you're like, oh, I can outwork everybody and blah, blah, blah. You can. And what will happen is your business will continue to stay small. 
and it will get smaller. It will become a micro business because after a while, you will shut your body will shut down. You will shut down mentally after a while. You cannot continue to do it. And you're talking to somebody who worked like a year and a half running a location from 6 a.m. to like 10:30 p.m. for over a year and a half doing everything totally by myself seven days a week. Only days I got off were holidays. And let's be clear. D.C. don't celebrate no holidays, as you said earlier. So the store was only closed on Thanksgiving Day, Christmas Day, and New Year's Day. And then New, Year- New Year's Eve, you're going you to be working be late because you know Eve people don't want to go into the New Year with dirty clothes. New Year's Eve is the busiest day for us in the laundry industry. But it's changing now because of delivery service and other things. But that's another conversation. Um, but those are the only days I got off. And it was like, okay, like... I still like I want to go out. I want to have so I'm like 6 a.m. work, 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 work. And I'm like, hurry up and close up the store. And it's like, I'm out at 10.05. I'm like, and I'm like out early today. I got out 25 minutes earlier. And like my friends are like, we're over here, meet us over there. Like, and they gotta drive. I'm dozing off in the car, whatever. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So yeah. So work ethics, your dad. Yeah. So um as a child, my dad was in politics and government service. And so I remember as a wee tot watching him campaign and going out and shaking hands and meeting the people. So very community oriented, community facing, listening to people and engaging them in dialogue. Um, Once he was elected to the New York State Assembly, his time was kind of split between being up at the Capitol and being back home. Now, luckily... For us, um, the legislative session in New York only runs basically from January to June. So that was only half of the year that he wasn't there. And at that time, my brother and I were in like preschool and kindergarten. And by the time we actually were of uh, grade school age, he was back home working under one of the governor's offices. And then in 1983, I remember we got a new governor and my dad got replaced. And I was sitting in a train station waiting to go home. And I was talking to a transit cop, and I was like, my dad got fired. And the cop was like, little girl, you shouldn't tell anybody that. I was like, but he did. And it wasn't necessarily a bad thing because he, fired. he, he, under, he understood. And it's uh, politics. Like, a new administration comes in, people exactly go out. It's not really you got that fired. When you're a like, political appointee, your time is just you up. You serve at the pleasure of the person who appointed you. And if somebody else comes into that role, that appointment might not continue. Yeah, your time is just up. On to the next thing. And so, so he immediately thing. jumped in and started working with my grandmother. And my grandmother was a meticulous woman about her business. She handled her business. And then when she finished, she went home and always was able to incorporate family into everything she did. And I was able to, to watch both of them work together. Very different um, styles, but still nonetheless committed to doing the work that would get the results that would make a difference for the people who mattered. And at times my dad had very strong opinions. My dad was a a very intelligent man. He finished college at 20 years old. Um, He was young when he went to law school. When when he graduated law school, he was 23. That dude was a Rhodes scholar. (laughs) He was was a ROAD scholar. (laughs) That dude's a renaissance (laughs) man. All right. Um, Let's be clear about that. And so some of the work that he did was in his mind. Right. And so you can't always you can't always understand that. You can't always see that because it may look like someone isn't taking action because they're thinking. And because of the respect that he had for my grandmother and her business dealings, he would often defer to her when it came to making decisions for the business. Right. And so once my grandmother retired and then eventually passed away, 
it was a little bit different for him because he didn't have that same sounding board. And he may or may not have always trusted his own judgments because he didn't always get the chance to execute on what he thought because they were working together. Sometimes you just think too much. So you can't overthink. It's great to have a partner in business who you can run ideas against and who will challenge you to be better. But ultimately, you have to remember to trust yourself and to move in your intelligence, especially if you have a proven track, work, track record of getting success. Now, if you're new to business, you may think, oh, well, I don't have that track record. Yeah, but if you've accomplished anything, whether it's you graduated from high school, you started a lemonade stand, you volunteered and was selected as the captain of the volunteer committee, you've accomplished something. Leverage those experiences in your business and remind yourself that you're already great. So just move in that greatness. And I think, especially when it comes to men in business, especially when it comes to our fathers, um, we don't look at them the same way as we look at our mothers. Right? I mean, we, I know that much is true. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> but in terms of work ethic, I did learn a lot about my dad and about working, how to show up at work, how to be, how to incorporate your thoughts in your actions. Um, and it's just meant, it's been tremendous for me. And I don't think I realized until very recently um, how much of an impact that had on me. Like one of our colleagues recently said to me, you know, Ms. J, you're really intelligent. And like, not, this is not like a, a, a smoke puffing situation. Like you're really intelligent. You look at things differently than um, most people do. And you look at situations from different sides. And what it reminded me is that sometimes people on our teams may not take as many perspectives to look at a, a situation from as many different angles as we do because they haven't had the opportunity to do that. But in business and in life, the more experience you have, the more things that you're exposed to, you will build that critical thinking muscle. You will develop a better skills around how to look at challenges and how to potentially address those challenges because you realize one size does not fit all. But that comes with experience. That comes with time. That comes with facing more challenges. So if you stay in your safe zone, yeah, that you're robbing yourself of opportunities to practice intelligence at work. I don't know. You expect me to say something after all that? Like you, you, you just went on for like mad long. But I don't know what else to say. All right. Thanks for coming today. She crushed it. I'm done. I got nothing else to say. Happy Father's Day. So, so as a man, what does it mean for you to follow in your father's footsteps? Yeah. I'm, to me, it's whatever. It, it, it happens. And to me, it's on the individual. Like one, I would probably never name our child a junior. I would never name my child after me. I, we have a son. I'm not naming after me because they they need to have their own identity. They're gonna have enough to deal with just in life. Whatever the fact that be like, oh, your dad did this, or you know, your daughter, your your mom did this. Like, why aren't you living up to their expectation? They don't need to live up to, you know, whatever you got. You got big fill, shoes to fill. Whatever they say. So, like, I've been through it. I still hear it now. I mean, people call you, sometimes some of the people in the neighborhood call you Little DC. Still do to this day, and it's all good. And, like, and you're a big grown man. That's all right. If that's how they view it and it makes them feel whatever connection they had to the business, we were in, we've been in the neighborhood over 30 years. I get it. Like, there are generations who've come to 
you know, our businesses didn't start just with the laundry. It, it started with my dad and two uncles. My dad got, my uncle got hurt at job at his job. And I think they gave him, he, he like, I, the story is that he like cut his finger or something at work and he got like a thousand dollars as some kind of compensation. Cause he got injured on the job. And back then it was like a thousand dollars was a hell of money. And he was just like, Whoa, we got a thousand dollars. And the three of them decided to open up a little store and they opened up a little meat market. They had like fresh meat, some produce and a little store, probably a little bigger than this conference room they're in. We're in right now. And like they started doing it. And then they moved from there to a bigger store across street. And they were like, Oh, we should just do more than just meats. We should do produce and blah, blah, blah. And it was like a mini supermarket. And like, when I say a supermarket, not like a bodega, like you just go in and be like, yeah, there's some like dusty items on the shelf or whatever, or you buy like Lucy's and th- no, or, you know, whatever else you get black and miles. It was <laughs> legit. Like small. It was like a corner store, but it was long and you go to the back and it was straight real butcher. Not to showcase you go to now when you go in a bodega and be like, Can you make me a ham and cheese sandwich and dude just reaches in and slices it. No, you went in the back. We had a walk-in freezer and like Rocky, when they was in there punching the beef, the sides of like beef, it was like sides of beef hanging in. I was like a little kid walking around in there, it's swinging, hitting me. And it's like whole chickens and all kind of meat in there. And it's like, it's fresh. We would go right to the slaughterhouse, pick it up and bring it and cut it fresh for customers when they came in for, you know, whatever they needed or whatever they wanted. Um, so I totally fucked, messed up my phone here. Um, so it was like, it was a mini supermarket. Like you would go in and you could, people would come in literally on Saturday and Sundays and we had shopping carts in there. Ain't no bodegas with no shopping carts in it. We had shopping carts and people would literally fill up a whole shopping cart and do their grocery shopping. They were like, yeah, your produce is fresh and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, the three of them start, did that. And then we migrated into the laundry business. And then, you know, slowly over time, you know, one uncle left, another uncle left, and, you know, they re- they retired over time, and then my dad was doing some things by himself, and then, you know, lo and behold, here I am. Um, so I always hear, like, oh, people still come in the soapbox to this day, and they're like, oh, your dad, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, cool. It doesn't bother me, but what what is a challenge is I have to balance sometimes what I do and don't do so it doesn't infringe or make him feel any, I don't like, you I don't want to say any protect less. His ego? Yeah. It's like, because I could like, there are some things I've done and I'm like, I like, I shouldn't have done that. Cause I'm like, now he's feeling like, oh, I'm poo pooing on what he's done. But then there's other times where I'm just like, listen, like I'm going to, I'm going to take a piece of humble pie here and I'm just going to let this go a slide. And there's other days I'm like, you just got to deal with it, old man. I'm sorry. Like, cause if we're going to grow this, like you got to put your egos to the side at one point. He got more than one ego. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> yeah, he do. But, um, it, it's a balance. And w- when you, when you're working with family or you're taking over after family and sometimes you have to just, and you have to separate, which came to the whole, like the soapbox has another name. You know, it, the soapbox is totally separate from when we had co-brothers and sons laundromat. So it was a separate name, separate entity, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, there's multiple reasons behind that. You know, we talked about it in other episodes, the different clientele that we're servicing. But also you sometimes you need to separate. And, you know, we've even had discussions like how do since we close the store, how do we reincorporate the original name? So then it carries that legacy and that story on, mm-hmm. even though there's plenty of people in the community now, since the community has changed and grown so much, they're like, 
cope who? Right. Like, they don't know. But then there's others, like OGs, they're just like, yeah, I remember when you're here and you're here. Like, I, they come and tell me stories, stuff like I don't even remember from when I was a kid. Right. I'll say this. Even though my dad is gone, there were some times where he would try to share advice with me. Um, based on what he had done in business and what he had done in life. And I, was, I wasn't always receptive. And it's, I see this sometimes in people that we interact with. They are not receptive to input advice. Um, not even going to say critique, but just advice um, based on lived experiences. Because like, one of the things I used to think about when my dad gave me career advice was, but you never really work for anybody. Like, How you know? He worked in the DA's office for like a hot second. He worked for somebody? But it was so short compared to the time he that he was in the assembly. And I guess he had to be accountable to his constituents and the other voters. Still, in in politics, you work for somebody. And then coming just, into Some the of them business. just choose to ignore that shit. But I thought that because he didn't have extensive experience working what I called outside, outside of the house. Um, he didn't have experience working in corporate environment. Um, that... There was only so much he could tell me. And now when I look back on the advice that he shared with me, it was brilliant. Um, if I had had sense enough to listen. No comment. Um, you know, I would have had better outcomes. And so one of the things I'll share with you, whether you're working for someone else, whether you're running your business, whether you report to a family member or, or you manage or lead people in your family, don't beget the advice that someone can give you based on their lived experience, especially our fathers. They may see things from a different vantage point because they face much different challenges than we have faced. And oftentimes they don't always tell us those challenges because they want to protect us. Or, you know, well, that's a good thing and a bad thing. And so just, just listen, listen, don't judge. And see how you can apply it to make make your situation better. Yeah. Listen, the, the biggest thing is when, when you're working with family businesses or you're working with another family member is, one, you need to share information as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And then, as you said, listen and absorb that information and just don't just take it and really think about, you know, what it is, whether you agree or disagree about it, with it. There, there, you might not agree with all of it, but there's all, there might be something you could take away from it and say, you know what, I'm just going to extract this part. But you really you need to be have those dialogues. And I, and I hear a lot of time, which I think is really, to me, I think it's kind of, um, I think it's just kind of silly and it's kind of ignorant, where in some family businesses where they don't have these discussions with whatever the next generation, like if they were like, I've worked in all of our family businesses throughout my life when I was like, you know, from a, ch I can remember like running around a supermarket and like packing stuff out or, you know, c cutting meat in the back and, you know, eating some of the snacks, the the food off the shelf too. And my dad be like, you're eating the profits, you know that? And I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, I was like, fucking Yankee doo-doo cupcakes taste good, bro. I'm eating these joints. I'd be like, what? I'm eating them. Like how much? Like, come on, how, we, we pay cost. But anyway, like they should be open. I see a lot of, and I see in some businesses where they have these discussions and they're always excluding people who are in the family, in the business from it. And, right. and no, and I was, I witnessed that when I was growing up in part of it. like things would get ready to be said and they'd be like, Oh, you, you need to leave the office right. or you need to leave the room. And I'd be like, oh, this is an adult conversation. I'd be like, like, yeah, I'd be like, wait, what the f Cause 
I got to take the trash out. You don't tell me to go outside when it's time to sweep the floors right. to take the trash out. You want me to do that, but you don't want me to sit at the table and hear some stuff. So, yeah, you want to share that information. And then if there's anybody out there who says, but I don't have a father, I don't have a relationship with my father, there are father figures. Like the beauty of my dad being very involved um, in my life is that I had surrogates, his friends, his homeboys. So I have my godfather who'd been riding this ride with me since I was born. Um, one of my other unofficial godfathers who was my dad's friend and associate when he worked in the assembly and other people that I've picked up along the way who are like uncles and adopted grandfathers. Um, just because you may not have that biological tie, you can have a father figure that's able to pour into you uh, and your business the same way that your biological would if he's not around. All the dads out there, we love you. We celebrate you. We wish you the best, and yeah. we look forward to seeing. This you is a late Father's Day because when this airs, episode. it's already Father's Day has already passed. Hi, this has been so. Commerce and Chill. I'm Jessica Johnson Cope. I'm Waleed saying Happy Father's Day from the future. And we're out. Bye. Wait, is it the future? Really, it's the past. No, it's the future.